Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Friday, January 14th, 2022. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and I guess we'll start uh, with the biggest surprise from the past two nights. It was a West Coast overtime thriller. Final score, Oregon, 84, number three, UCLA, 81. Mick Cronin's Bruins, they closed as 10-point favorite, still five-game winning streak, snapped by an Oregon team that is 58th at Ken Palm, 78th in the net. So that's a quad three loss dead leg. Where were you when UCLA took its first quad three loss of the season? I'm assuming asleep. No, I was in my living room sitting in the dark watching on TV, man. Lights <laughs> off, on, locked in. I was locked in the, I was locked in until Gonzaga wrapped that puppy up last night. So I was asleep. I was asleep. I, oh, okay. Long day for me. It's a, 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 you know, yeah, don't, get, back. don't get back to three. Don't get uh, back to the, don't go. Don't fall asleep till three in the morning on Wednesday night. I uh, got a 630 wake up call, fly back home, do a radio show, see the kids, wife. I was out pretty early last night. Understandable completely. Uh, is you're up uh, a lot the the two nights before. I got we I got us covered here. I was locked in. We had a lot, a lot of West Coast flavor across the board on Thursday, and then yeah, a lot, actually a lot of late night tips between games like this, and even stuff like on CBS Sports Network where San Francisco just wiped the floor with LMU and kind of reinforced the idea that the WCC really does have a top four. As for this game, we're starting to get a little bit of a clearer picture. Maybe maybe a little bit on UCLA uh, as we speak this morning. And we're we've we've crossed the halfway point threshold of the regular season. UCLA sits at 25th in the net. Now the results-based metrics, because UCLA doesn't have a high inventory of games, it just has played fewer games than most other teams in power conferences because of its lengthy COVID pause. It still ranks well there. Um, KPI, Kevin Paga Index, which only uh, evaluates teams based off of what's happened this season. It's all. Everything's in the rearview mirror. There is no predictive quality to it whatsoever. It says UCLA is the number 11 team in the country based off what it's done. And then strength of record, which is another very good empirical uh, analysis tool that is results-based, has UCLA ninth. The predictive ones have started to fade a little bit on the Bruins here. 14, 15, or 16 in Ken Palm, Sagarin, and BPI as of this morning. I still think we need more. Uh, It was good on the Ducks. Dana Altman gets his 700th win. Uh, The Ducks had six players score. In double figures, so led by Jacob Young, had 23. So that's that's a bit more like it with Oregon. You know, it's not a stunner that Oregon wins this game. Uh, Oregon was a team we expected to be a, a major player in the Pac-12. Hasn't been that to this point. But maybe this is going to be different. 84-81 in overtime. Uh, UCLA was fortunate to get it to the bonus session to begin with because, uh, in fact, I think it was Young who had that brutal pass underneath his own basket that allowed UCLA – uh, to cut the margin from six all the way down to zero in the final 32, 33 seconds of regulation. So even getting it to uh, the freebie session there for UCLA with no fans in attendance, which I think has something of an impact uh, overall. But good good on Oregon. Uh, UCLA is going to have a chance, obviously, play you know the way the Pac-12 goes. You've got the uh, travel partner. So Oregon State will be 
next on Saturday. And I think the win's probably more about Oregon. But we have had a little bit of um, the Pac-12's top three, two of the three at least, uh, stumbling a bit. Arizona had no issues with Colorado on Thursday night. But earlier in the week, you see USC drop from the ranks of the unbeaten. It actually kind of vomited on its sleeve for the first half of that game against Oregon State on Thursday before getting it together and winning by 10. But we've had UCLA and USC, which has separated themselves from the rest of the conference. Now they've taken on some losses. Maybe Oregon can make it a bit interesting there. We'll we'll have to wait and see. Um, maybe chalk this up a little bit to the fact that UCLA also hadn't played in almost a month. This was its second game, and uh, it takes a, a competitive loss nonetheless. I believe it was their third game back. Um, yeah, third game back from a nearly four-week COVID pause. Um, you mentioned the lack of fans. Uh, I believe the number I saw was 119 relatives of coaches and players were allowed inside Poly. That's it. And Mick Cronin was asked about it afterwards, and he said, uh, it doesn't help, uh, but I don't want to make excuses. But yeah. it's, a, it's a real thing. Like, having like home court advantage in college basketball is a real thing. Um, you know, watch Harvard play a home game. Tell me that doesn't matter. And watch Gonzaga play a home game. It matters. And when you suddenly don't have that, uh, whatever gap might be there between you and your opponent is, is a smaller gap. You mentioned it's not a stunner that Oregon beat UCLA, and it's not in a, 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 a broad sense. I mean, it's Oregon. It's Dana Altman. They're back-to-back Pac-12 outright champs. But this Oregon team was a 10-point underdog, and this Oregon team hasn't been very good. Now, they started 6-6 six and six, uh, with losses to Stanford, Arizona State, St. Mary's, BYU. Also lost to Baylor and Houston. Obviously, nothing wrong with those, but... Um, you know, a, a, a Stanford loss isn't great. Uh, Arizona State loss isn't great. Um, they're now 10 and six, but the resume is rough. Uh, you know, one and five in the first two quadrants, and they've got that quad three loss to, to Arizona State at home. So maybe they're turning a corner a little bit. And long term, I don't think this is a big, that big of a deal for UCLA um, because I, 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 I'm assuming it's a quad three loss now. That'll be a quad two. Uh, you know, as we move forward, because I'm, I'm just going to assume Oregon's going to get better. Um, and perhaps that blemish um, that looks not great today won't look as bad tomorrow. And by, I don't mean technically tomorrow, but, you know, a month from now, two months from now. But, um, you know, not a great development. And, you know, from what I could tell, you know, reading about it this morning and box score, um, you know, UCLA. Uh, it was just one missed opportunity after another, and they didn't get a lot from. I mean, Juzang was good; he was uh, twenty-three points, nine rebounds. But uh, Jaime Jaquez uh, was, you know, four points, four turnovers in thirty-two minutes. Got to get, you know, he's somebody that some people thought would be UCLA's best player this season, even better than Juzang, who was, you know, a consensus preseason All-American. And um, he he is he's he's good, a legitimate NBA prospect. But he was not good uh, against. Uh, against Oregon um, Juzang I we haven't talked about like as I was prepping this morning and I realized I haven't even thought about Johnny Juzang in, in a month maybe um, we haven't talked about him uh, because they were on that COVID pause and they haven't played you know big games lately um, and barely at all um, statistically he's basically having the same season he had last season averaging 16.6 points five rebounds points and rebounds sl- slightly up shooting percentages nearly identical um so if you wanted him to take a jump and be ncaa tournament johnny juzang from start to finish that hasn't happened 
but his third year in college looks, you know, statistically a lot like his second year in college. Yeah, I don't, and um, I don't, I don't think at this point Johnny Juzang is near the uh, the All American conversation, which right. is interesting. You know, you mentioned his stats are basically flat year over year, but not great, not terrible. Uh, is what it is. But UCLA is going to have to probably win the Pac-12, and Juzang is going to have to be better to get into that uh, to get into that conversation there overall. But we'll wait and. We'll wait and see what happens in the next couple of couple of games here for UCLA. I don't have um, a lot of concern. Oregon State next, then on the road Utah, Colorado. Uh, we'll know UCLA is what it was billed to be in the preseason. If it can win, if it can peel off three in a row, there were two on the road. It's not going to be easy, uh, but I think it's good enough as the talent to do it. Uh, so we'll we'll wait and see on that. Real quick uh, with Altman, he hits the 700 win mark, and. Um, we had mentioned this a couple of times, I think just over the years uh, about Altman specifically, because, you know, frankly, he's very, very good coach uh, has come certainly with some, some controversy uh, during his time at Oregon uh, and numerous sexual assault allegations over the years with some of his players, the administration stuck by him. So he's still there. He's at 700 wins. He joins this group of coaches. I was curious to just refresh my memory on this. Cause I think people didn't realize, cause he just doesn't, he's not a great quote, uh, you know, out on the West Coast, spent uh, much of his career not in a power conference. So I think he's kind of uh, quietly gotten to a level where most coaches, you know, can only dream to be. You get 700 Division One wins. That's uh, that that is, that's not the top tier, but it's the tier right below it. Here are the other ones ahead of him uh, that have gotten to that point. Don Haskins, legendary former UTEP coach. Ray Meyer, DePaul. Rick Barnes uh, is ahead, active. Obviously, Norm Stewart. Jerry Tarkanian, Bill Self, John Calipari, Fog Allen, John Beeline, 754. Then you got Hank Iba, Edgar Diddle, Western Kentucky's legendary coach, who was there from 1922 to 1964. And then you get really near the top end. Again, this is D1 wins. Lou Henson, Lou Dolson, Lefty Drizel, Eddie Sutton, Adolph Rupp, Dean Smith, shouts to Cliff Ellis, still at Coastal Carolina you know, encroaching on 900 career victories. I love that, man. Uh, Bob Knight, Roy Williams. Once you get to Knight, you're at the 900 level. So Knight, Roy Williams, Bob Huggins, Calhoun, Bayheim, and then Coach K. Those are all the coaches in men's Division One basketball that have at least 700 wins. And after Thursday night, Dana Altman can now claim to join that group. If you want to know who the closest behind him is, you want to do a quick trivia time? I do want to do a quick trivia time. What active coach is the closest to 700 wins right now? I'll give you a hint. He's in a power conference. Active coach, close to 700, power conference. Yep. I'm going to say, that's not a good guess. I'm going to say, Jay Wright? Not Jay Wright. One more. Yeah, I'm going to take one more guess. Is it, has Tom Izzo already got there? Tom Izzo has not got there. My my guess, my official answer will be Tom Izzo. Okay. Tom Izzo is not the answer. The answer is one Jimmy Laranega, who is is less than 30 wins away from hitting 700 all time. So good on him. Bowling Green, George Mason, Miami. 
I don't know if they're counting his time at American International as well. I'm I'm referencing Wikipedia here. Anyway, good on uh, good on Dan Allman and the Ducks. Maybe they make an interesting ten and six overall. Got to see more. And I'm with you. I think that will ultimately be a quad. I think it will be a quad two, not a quad three loss for UCLA. Dan Altman also now thirteen and nine all time against UCLA. The all new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. There were some other interesting results Thursday night. One of them was Iowa 83, Indiana 74. Iowa's now 12-4 and four overall. Just two and three in the Big Ten, but no bad losses. Uh, the four losses are to Purdue, Illinois, Iowa State, and Wisconsin, all ranked teams. Uh, they've now got wins over Indiana, Virginia. So the win column lacking a little bit. Um, but that's one of the teams I thought in the preseason might be um, a little overrated, if you will, by the computers. And yet, um, you know, it's January 14th, and I think they're about – where most of the computers thought they would be. Again, lacking big signature wins, but they're on the verge of the top 25 and one. Like they're not going to be in there on, you know, today, um, but they're right there. And what was wild is they win this game mm -hmm. with Chris Murray. That's right. Getting 29 points. Not Keegan Murray. Not Keegan, Chris. Yes. Chris Murray gets 29. His twin brother is at leading the nation in scoring um, at 23.9 points per game. And Chris goes out and puts 29 on Indiana. What a family. I was watching, I was watching this, and I don't know who was the play-by-play. -play. Raph was the color analyst on this game. And at some point, I think I think Chris got to like 22, and the announcer had mentioned and, that, and Chris Murray's at 22. And I was watching another game and doing another. So I was, I, my attention was not solely on Iowa, Indiana. And I thought. Uh, okay, he must have messed up. And then he got to 24. <laughs> I was like, this he's 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 saying Chris Murray is at 24. Like, what's he doing right now? And then I locked in. I was like, okay, it it is. It is Chris Murray. How about this? Finishes 29 points, 11 boards, three blocks, three steals. And Iowa pulled away late. It was a it was a pretty good game until the final three or four minutes there. And then Indiana did not have the gasoline to keep it close. So credit to them. I mean it's a nice turn of events for Iowa. I think they've got the looks, I don't know, a respectable six seed right about now. How about this? So Iowa, they're 0-4 in quad one. 
three and zero in quad two. So when you combine both, it's a three and four mark, and they don't have a bad loss as you mentioned there. I don't know where this team is going. I, I'm ready to declare that I was certainly wrong. I thought that Iowa was going to be in the NIT and kind of safely in the NIT. I didn't think it'd be flirting with Dayton, and I didn't think it would be poor enough to be outside uh, the national invitational tournament. But I, I didn't think it would be securely heading toward the NCAA tournament. I now think that will be the case. I, I've seen enough here. Hawkeyes, they they don't turn it over. They shoot well. Number three ranked offense in the country. Now they need more high-end wins, and they're looking at roadies against Minnesota and Rutgers upcoming here. But let's just play it for fun. Like yeah, two months from now, tournament starts two months and a day from now, by the way. What's your guess? And then an Iowa fan, remember this, and then just remind us to see how right or wrong we were. I just, I'm going to say Iowa, when we get to the tournament, mark me down, the Iowa Hawkeyes, eight seed. What's your guess? In that range. I was going to say seven. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, seven, eight seed, somewhere in there. But, like, you know, that's better than I thought in the preseason. I'm with you. Like, I was like, they lost a lot, including the National Player of the Year. Um, I did think Keegan Murray would – take a leap I didn't think he'd lead the nation in scoring Um, but you know I remember talking to somebody from Iowa back in the offseason about Keegan uh, specifically um, you know emerging as a legitimate NBA prospect because of the size and the way he can guard in space and sort of a combo forward in theory at the next level and you know if he could you know consistently make the three-point shot that would be the thing that gets him into that situation so here we are um, but I didn't think this team would be – I didn't necessarily think it would be an NCAA tournament team. So if you start there as the baseline, and I say, I think now, looks like they could be a you know seven, eight seed. That's um, that's a great job by Fran McCaffrey and, and, and that coaching staff. I got nothing to back this up, just throwing it out there. Mm-hmm. These are identical 6'8 twins. How do we know – Okay. How do we know Keegan just didn't put on Chris's jersey and go out and score 29 just for fun? I can tell you can't tell the difference. They're identical, but you can still you can still tell the difference ever so slightly. But there's there's I'm just saying if you're not suspecting it, he's trying to help his brother out. That's what you're saying. right? Trying to get his brother drafted too. what 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 if what if he switched jerseys every game and they were both like really good Murray's and then they both got drafted. But only one of them was Keegan. Would be an incredible story. That'd be a hell of a story, wouldn't it? We can dream, man. And I'm just saying, if you weren't looking for it, you might not notice, right? You weren't looking for it, you might not notice. Best twins in college basketball since Morris twins? Lopez twins? No, no, since, I'd say, man, Lopez twins were really something else. Um, Are they the best since the Morris twins? Are they? That's a good question. The Colin twins? Who? Jason and Jerron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stanford really had had the market cornered on on twins there for a while. I got uh, one. I got one for you. Who we got? You don't know about Ron L and Donnell Taylor. Nope. UAB Blazer twins. Yeah, I knew someone. Andrew and Aaron, Andrew and Aaron Harrison. Oh, that's a good one. I, yeah, forgot, I forgot about the Harrison yeah. twins. Yeah. But not wait. We're Andrew. This is ridiculous. For Andrew and Aaron, I can't remember if they were identical twins. They, they were. Look, they, they look pretty close. They look pretty close. I'm trying to picture yeah. them in my head right now. But the Harrison twins, I think, is the answer. 
I think that's it. Yeah. Harrison twins. Harrison twins. Um, did they? Yeah. Did they cost Kentucky a national championship by coming back to school? You Debate. That well, that's a that's a conversation for another time. I mean, that's... I'm just kidding. Um. All right. Quick. Any any other thoughts on this one, or a quick a quick tour around the uh, Thursday before we pick the games here? Pop us around Thursday. Okay. Just real quick. So Gonzaga just dominates BYU. Not even close. You were you were asleep for it. Gonzaga looked. <laughs> it was. I thought it was. It was a statement game in a lot of ways. GP. It wins 110-84 over BYU. Gonzaga's first game of consequence in almost a month. WCC play, and yeah, it's on the home floor, but I thought this was an important outcome. Gonzaga now, it's only two games into league play, but it is averaging 113.5 points a game in West Coast Conference play. It's going to play on the road Saturday against Santa Clara, which is a top 80 Ken Palm team. We'll see what happens there. I thought, you know, we mentioned uh, how Johnny Juzang isn't, hasn't been in the All-American conversation. I, Drew Timmy was the preseason consensus national player of the year, and he definitely has not been in that first-team conversation, probably not even the second team, really. Like, if you, if you look at the names that would be in that conversation overall, Keegan Murray. It's all Big Ten players. The All-American needs Big Ten players. Chris, Chris Murray and Keegan Murray. Let's yes. just start with those two. Start with him. Start with those two, and then the list really begins. And then you've got what EJ Liddell, Coburn, Travi. I think Johnny you Davis. Think for Travion Williams, Oscar Shibway, um, Johnny Davis, uh, Trace Jackson Davis has been really good. You've got Ben Matherin at Arizona. Um, who uh, I'm just kind of vamping off the top of my head, and then you can. I think that's where maybe. Timmy was entering into the car. I thought last night was a statement game. He was, he was 13 or 14 from the field with 30 points. And he sat, he went to the bench, I think with like six minutes to go. In fact, with like five and change left in the game, Drew Timmy, Julian Strother, Andrew Nemhard had combined for 72 points at that point. And that, at that point in the game, those three players had outscored BYU, which had 70. Okay. Gonzaga was so good last night. This is from Stats Inc. Gonzaga had a player at 30 points on 90% shooting. Timmy, who shot like 92 and change from the field. He's one of only, I think, like 46 or 47 players in the past 12 or 13 seasons to have 30 on better than 92% shooting. They had a player with 20 and 10. Nemhart had 20 points, at least 20 points and 10 assists. They had someone with 20 points. This is, again, Stats Inc. with the stat. 20 points in under 25 minutes, Julian Strother, and a, pl- a player with five blocks. Chet Holmgren. According to Stats Inc., Gonzaga is the only D1 team in 25 years to have all those statistical accomplishments happen in one game. And again, it came against a legitimate opponent. I thought what happened Thursday was about Drew Timmy reasserting his place in the overall hierarchy of, of men's college basketball. No, he's not the player of the year front runner. And I'm not even saying that he right now would be my pick for a first team All-American candidate. But I thought it interesting because of pauses and because Gonzaga hadn't played relevant games. Timmy had just just drifted a little bit and last night reannounced how great he can be. And he was great. I mean, he was scoring in a variety of ways and getting easy buckets near the hoop. It was uh, it was an impressive performance. I know you didn't get to see the game because uh, kids and all that stuff and you and you had to conk out early. But I wanted to at least talk about how good Gonzaga looked because I thought that was a message across the WCC and across the country. You ready for the final four and one? 
Yeah, the only other one I was going to mention was Johnny Davis was bad, four of 18, but it didn't matter. Wisconsin beat Ohio State. Tyler Wall had 20. Brad Davidson had 25. And yeah, uh, I was able I was able to watch that one. That one ended before my bedtime. So Davis yeah, I, thought was, I was just thought it was a good sign for Wisconsin. Now we I, I know you talked about Johnny uh, a week ago yeah. when you were doing the preview pod with with Cobb there. I thought it just Ohio State's still a quality team, and they did not need a great game out of Johnny Davis, and they still won definitively. So I thought that was a really good sign for Buck. No, Wisconsin's legit. Like I'm on them. Uh, you know, I've got them. I think seventh in the top twenty-five and one. Um, you know, um, I, I I won't be surprised if they win the Big Ten. I, I think if I had to pick, how about this? You got to pick a Big Ten champion right now. Who are you picking? Mm, that is, I'm 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 picking Illinois. I could see that. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna say, and I got I. We're not picking the Illinois Michigan game, but I got a couple of notes on Illinois when we talk about when I give you the other games to know. I'll share a few things, but Illinois would be my pick to win the Big Ten right now. Yeah, I think I'd go Michigan State. Max Christie starting to play better. Um, you know, I think he's averaging like I think 16 in his last four games. Uh, had a nice performance a couple of nights ago that allowed Michigan State to avoid an upset. Um, so the Spartans are five and zero. Illinois is five and zero, and then there's Wisconsin at five and one. So, yeah, Illinois is a totally reasonable pick to win the Big Ten. I think I would go Michigan State, but if it ends up being Wisconsin and Big Ten Player of the Year possibility Johnny Davis, that wouldn't surprise me either. Um, Final four and one. You want to update us on the records, Nada? What do we got, Nada? I feel like I'm surging. I it was nice to take the lead last week. Well, you did kind of well. You went 500, GP. You you went 500. The current records, Parrish, you're at thir- 13 and 18. Norlander didn't participate last week, up. so he's 19 and 13. And that then David Cobb, 6 and 2. Turns out Cobb's better at this than all of us. Not surprising in the least. Not surprised. 6 and 2. And he's and now, I mean, I'm sure he's going to factor into at least one more Friday episode, but he's sitting pretty <laughs> Win percentage situation going on with Cobb right now, dominating, destined to. Uh, that's why you need a, a game minimum threshold here, a game minimum threshold. Final four and one. Let's preview this weekend. Parrish is going to give you the first four. I got one in my back pocket. What are we starting with? Saturday, one p.m. Eastern. Number twenty-two Tennessee at number eighteen Kentucky inside Johnny Juzang Arena. He played there. All right. Just didn't get enough minutes. So now he's out on the West Coast taking losses to Oregon late on a Thursday night. Kim Pom has it Kentucky minus five. You can watch it on ESPN. What do you think, Deadleg? Feels like Kentucky should win this easy, doesn't it? I feel like you're gonna um you're gonna uh, wager on Kentucky making the court report look intelligent. And so you need another double digit victory. So you're gonna lay these points. I know what you're doing. I would enjoy if another double. Uh, this is where it might end, though. Um, but as we mentioned in the previous pod, court report, yes, this Kentucky team has won every single game by at least ten points, and is when it wins, it's by more than twenty six on average. And Kentucky's win margin, when you factor in the negative results with the losses, Kentucky ranks top four in overall win margin in the sport this season. I'll take. I'm going to take Kentucky to win and to cover. I don't think this will be double digit, but it's, it's certainly possible. Sheboy right now ranks number one in defensive rebound rate is number two in offensive rebound rate. And he is the Ken Palm 
number one player in his player of the year algorithm at the moment, uh, which tends to skew and slant toward big men, just so you know. Uh, certainly, Shibwe has a case. I think Coburn's right there with him with Johnny Davis. Um, we have a wonderful player of the year race emerging right now. Maybe we'll focus that uh, discussion uh, in, in an episode in the near future. I will, I will go with Kentucky at home. And a quick shout-out to Kentucky SID Sports Information Director Eric Lindsay. This will be his final game. He works. He is uh, leaving Kentucky Athletics after more than a decade to continue working in the PR field at Kentucky, just in a, a different field altogether. But he has been a, a quality SID. He will be missed. Uh, shouts to Deb Moore, who will take over. This is very inside baseball, if you will. But I want to give him a shout. Uh, you know, you you you're an SID at a program like Kentucky. That's that's really one of the most challenging jobs in all of college athletics, frankly. I'm talking like top five because of the sheer size of the beat there and the national relevance and the coach you have and the players you get. So that's uh that's a very coveted gig on that side of the on that side of our industry there. I'll take Kentucky to win and to cover. I hope this is competitive. I'd really like to see Tennessee Kennedy Chandler step up in a big spot here. Uh, but yeah, Kentucky to win by more than five and less than ten is my pick. I don't know what to do with Tennessee. I like them, but they have problems scoring sometimes. Um, and it, it's, I wouldn't have assumed that because they've got an NBA point guard and a lot of veterans. Like, that's usually a pretty good combination. NBA point guard, a lot of veterans. Uh, let's be good offensively. And they're just not. They're 58th in offensive efficiency. Um, in two of their four losses, they've been held in the low 50s. Um, they're just three and four in the first two quadrants. One of the few, maybe the only, uh, team with a losing record in the first two quadrants um, that I have in the top 25 and one. But I'll take the balls plus the points here. Kennedy Chandler's my little homie from Memphis. How could I wager against him? I couldn't. Okay. Not in good conscience. I could not. Saturday. This is game two. Saturday, 1230 p.m. Eastern. I had these out of line. Love Shame it. Shame on me. Maybe I got it. Maybe I wrote down 1230 Central because I was in the. Time is only a construct, GP. It's fine. It's whatever. It's Saturday at some point. You guys can look it up yourself. I don't have to do everything for you. You can figure out what time the games start without me. All of you nerds got apps on your phone. Okay. It's turning in a hurry. Yeah. Why do I have to do everything? Let me double check this score situation. I mean, this time. I, I got it. Do you, do you want to say it? Because I, I got it. No, I, got I want you to say it. Tell me what time this West Virginia Kansas game tips. Saturday. Okay. In the afternoon. Give me a time. Two o'clock Eastern on the Network of Stars, CBS, America's oh Most Watched Network. This is Might the one I needed to tip right. That's all I'm saying. I need to be West this Virginia right at, at Kansas going to be at two Eastern on again, the network of stars. That's CBS. You can watch it again on CBS, Kansas. The Ken Palm line as we record this on Friday morning is Kansas minus 11 at home against the 13 and two Bob Huggins coached West Virginia Mountaineers a little bigger than I would have thought. Where are you leaning parish? How did I type twelve thirty when it's clearly two? You doing you doing HQ tomorrow? Oh, you know it. I'll be there with you. Can't wait. It'll be just like this, except we'll be dressed more appropriately. Saturday, two p.m. Eastern, West Virginia at number nine, Kansas, inside Billy Preston Fieldhouse. There we go. 
Billy Preston, former Kansas Jayhawk, who never actually played for the Kansas Jayhawks. Also, the fifth Beatle. And I'm wearing a Beatle shirt. How about that? How about that? That was one of my, that was one of the most enjoyable parts of the documentary for me. Like the, of the things that made me smile was watching Billy Preston walk into that room and do what he did. And the Beatles are just blown away by him. John Lennon wanted to make him the fifth Beatle. Yeah, Paul, Paul said it's hard enough with four. <laughs> he did, I know. He said it's hard enough to get this done. <laughs> yeah, it's but fun. like John was like, John was like, I want him to be like he sits down, and it truly is amazing. You feel it, yeah. You can feel the difference in the room, and there's a whole again alternate universe where the Beatles never broke up, and Billy Preston joins the group, and they have this incredible career into the seventies and maybe eighties. Yeah, that's uh, that was that was awesome, awesome stuff in that Rhodes keyboard. Oh. Tasty. He Tasty just sits stuff. down and and like you immediately hear what was wild is we've heard the, that the that keyboard forever. That's the way we know the songs. Uh, like I've got a feeling we know that keyboard. That's the that's the only way we know those songs. But to be able to watch the Beatles hear that keyboard for the first time, yeah. And it happens when Billy Preston just sits down and they're like, "All right, let's go," and it like and you like they light up in a way that I don't know they had previously um, yeah. been um, in those sessions. It, it, like, that was my I, – I love Billy Preston. What about, the, him. what about the Kansas Billy Preston? Should have never wrecked that car. Single car accident. <laughs> wasn't in a single car accident. We found out like 20 minutes before the Champions Classic he wasn't going to play. Yeah, remember that. Last oh. time I saw Billy Preston, that one, never saw the other one, was Final Four San Antonio – he was walking around the mall, like shopping for something. I don't know. Just randomly. That's randomly. what people do at the mall. Uh, what bizarre, else would you do at the mall? Bizarre occurrence. Uh, because Kansas was actually in the final four. Preston wasn't on the roster. At least I don't think he was. Uh, anyway, we should pick this game. Um, man, a lot of points there, Parrish. Yeah, like, there's a lot of people saying you screwed up the time. You sure? Let me just, let's, let's, let's get this right. <laughs> Game starts at 1.30 Eastern, 12.30 Central. So that's what I did. I typed in 12.30 Central accidentally. I already told you I was sleepy. Let's do it again. Saturday. Incredible. 1.30 p.m. Eastern. West Virginia at number nine, Kansas. Inside Billy Preston Fieldhouse. Kim Palm has it. Kansas minus 11. <laughs> you can watch it on CBS. It's America's most watched network. It's the network of stars. Third time's a charm. Ken Palm's got this game at two o'clock. Let Come me down. Man, get it, get it together. Brutal. Come on, get it together. That's what I paid nineteen ninety nine annually for. Nineteen ninety nine annually to get incorrect tip times. Don't make me start referencing Torvik and Evan Maya on the reg on this thing now. Get it together, Ken. Come on now, buddy. Love you. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take West Virginia to 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 cover in this spot here. Thirteen and two, GP. I got him in the top twenty-five and one. Who are you talking to? The two losses have come by double digits. Neutral against Marquette at Texas on New Year's Day was a fifteen-point loss. There, Tash Sherman didn't play. Doesn't count. That's that's correct. Tash Sherman did not play, but he has been on the floor as of late. Uh, scored thirteen. 
earlier this week in a win over Oklahoma State. That was, a, that was at home. Um, West Virginia has done well against a quality team on the road in recent history. One at UAB, a UAB team that I think is going to be the auto bid representative out of that conference, Conference USA. So Kansas to win, West Virginia to keep it close. Keep an eye on how effective or not David McCormick is in this one. He has not. As I wrote in the power rankings on Thursday, the the thing that, in my opinion, is preventing Kansas from hitting that top three, top four level and staying there is how David McCormick is being used, deployed, how effective he can be or can't be. It just isn't isn't quite there. That, in addition to, will Remy Martin play and, and be effective as well? I'll just take Kansas to win because it's at Fog Allen, but give me West Virginia to, to finish inside the number. Yeah, number's too big, I think. And McCormick, like, I don't, to me, it's not a matter of how he's deployed. Just like, yo, you gonna play or not? You know? Like, he started, I want to say, like, the first 11 games of the season, and then Bill decided to bring him off the bench, and he responded with, like, a 15-17 game. And you're like, okay, well, maybe something clicked. And then he more or less goes back to, to what he was before that. Yeah, it was um, 17 points, 15 rebounds against Oklahoma State. And you're like, okay, well, maybe we tapped into something. And then he follows that up with 4.6 rebounds. And then most recently against Iowa State, 1.4 rebounds. Like, yo, what are you? And for them to be a legitimate title contender, which I think they can be. Um, they've got to guard a little better. They're like mid-30s in adjusted defensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm. If we're going to trust those numbers, who, who knows these days, you know? Yeah. And McCormick's got to be better. Not all-American good, but he's got to be consistent. You, you shouldn't be able in a week span to have a 17-15 game and a 1-4 game. True. Kofi Coburn would never do that. Can't see it. I can't see it either. Neither one of the Murray twins would ever do that. Maybe one of them. One of them might. Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern. We think. Number 21, <laughs> Texas. At number 15, Iowa State. Inside Craig Bracken's Coliseum. Kimpom has it Texas minus one. You can watch it on ESPN+. Plus. Poor Iowa State. Them dudes got picked last in the Big 12, and so they're like, yeah, you're going to play Texas on ESPN+. Plus." bro is it, it, it ranked on ranked on espn plus it's fine with at least, me. at least it's not the longhorn network so I, i've been spared here i'm gonna be able to watch this one anytime something's on the longhorn network and you need it just facetime me i'll play i'll show it to you hey if you ever 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 need an oregon state colorado game on pac-12 you just give me a call you understand buddy all right we got a deal okay we have a deal <laughs> wait wait till i call you at 11 30 on a thursday night to catch the last three minutes of Oregon State, Colorado. Oh, man. Um, big spot here for Iowa State. Dropped three of its past four. Has that win over Texas Tech. Texas Tech, by the way, also won again, beat Oklahoma State on Thursday night. And now it's at home in a spot. Go out and win this game, Cyclones. Get it done defensively and uh, kind of regain some of that mojo and that momentum. Texas... Dropped a game on the road last weekend against Oklahoma State. Came back, rebounded well against Oklahoma in a game I didn't see a second of. Because, again, Longhorn Network, thanks a lot. I think this will be a low-scoring affair. I'm going to take Iowa State 
Yeah, this is an Iowa State straight up situation. I know you said the spread's only one here, but I will trust. I I know three of the past four have been losses. I get that. But two of those were close against Baylor and Kansas. And defensively, I still I still believe in what Iowa State is. I don't think that's going away. I think that Iowa State has a really good shot at basically being in every game it plays for the rest of the season because of how well TJ Osselberger has built up this team on that end of the floor. It is going to lose a lot of games because it's just going to go cold and not even shoot 40% from the field. Maybe that happens here, but I think it could also have that impact on Texas, which is far from an automatic offensive team. And Texas already likes to play slow. So I'm going to lean with Iowa State having the home floor. The game probably being in like the mid-50s with two minutes to go and giving Iowa State a chance because of that, I'll take them to win straight up. Cyclones win to get to two and three in Big 12 play. Like you said, one and three in the past four, but the losses are Baylor at Oklahoma at Kansas. They had a shot at the buzzer to win at Kansas, just didn't go in. Like it was good luck, just didn't go in. Iowa State's still four and three in quadrant one, five and three in the first two quadrants. I'm still a believer. This is a wrong team. This is a classic wrong team favored situation, dead leg. This is what I like to call a wrong team favored situation. I feel like you're hitting at like a 22% clip when you proclaim this. So now I'm now I'm not feeling good here. I'm hitting it like a 22% clip regardless of what I say. Okay. It's a wrong team favorite situation we've stumbled upon. Cyclones went straight up inside Craig Bracken's Coliseum. Saturday, game four, 2 p.m. Eastern, Arkansas. Are we sure? Ooh, ooh, you know what? At some point, the listener is going to have to learn to figure out when the games start on their own. In we, fact, we should, we should, it's, not, it's not on us to inform you, okay? Just so we're clear, it's not our responsibility to make. No, it's not. It's, it's our responsibility to make your drive go a little faster. <laughs> we're not here to tell you what time everything, everything starts. You can figure that Does out on your qualify own. qualify as a weekend preview segment? <laughs> we might not have the right teams or the right times. Yeah. But, but like we're, you can trust we'll probably have the right day. If we tell you Kansas and West Virginia playing on Saturday, you can trust that it'll happen on Saturday unless COVID gets in the way. We, yeah, I'm not, I can't even, yeah, exactly. We don't even know if this game's getting played. Let's be real. Let's just, we're talking about this game purely as a, as a hypothetical construct at this point. Everything we say, every weekend preview is hypothetical. <laughs> Sorry. You know what? Maybe we just stop giving tip times. Maybe going forward, I'll just say, you know, on Saturday, Arkansas and LSU are playing. Figure it out for yourself. <laughs> you figure out what channel it's on and what time it starts. I don't have to do everything. for. Sometimes I've learned this as a parent. You, you, it's the whole teach a man to fish or just keep giving him fish. I've been giving <laughs> I've been giving is that, away. Is that, that, is that how that old creed goes? I think it's something. I think it's something about you could just get, you want to give somebody fish every day or eventually you want to teach them how to fish. I'd rather teach people how to fish than keep. I've been giving fish for years. Just sitting here every Friday morning handing out fish. Okay. At some point, get your own rod and reel. Go catch your own tip times. I don't have to keep giving them to you every day. This is the way I got This is how I'm going to spend my life? Giving out fish every Friday morning? That's the way I got to spend my life? Put on a T-shirt and a hat. Give out fish all morning. It's ridiculous. Fish. Get your own fish. 
Buy your own cork. What else do you need to fish? Get your own worm. Ah, oh, man. Saturday. At a time you'll have to figure out on your own. Got At some point, some point I got to take the training wheels off, let you guys figure this out on your own. Arkansas at number 12 LSU inside the strong-ass offer assembly center. Oh, shit. That's what it's called. All right. LSU minus 12. You can watch it on ESPN2. Who won't be at this game? Who will not? Oh, Eric Muss. I texted with Muss last night. Do you know how he got hurt? He, I think he was, like, trying to run, run the offense for the practice squad for two weeks, and he tore his rotator cuff. No. So I texted him last night. And for people who don't know, he had surgery yesterday morning and is not going to coach at LSU this weekend. He said that they were doing closeout drills and one of his players landed on him in a closeout drill. And he tried to coach through it, but like couldn't instruct with two arms anymore in practice. We have a dead arm situation. Again, dead arm. it's a dead arm situation. And, like, you know, obviously just the pain for day-to-day stuff, like, you know, lying down and trying to go to sleep. And it just became, like, listen, nobody wants to have mid-season surgery, but it, there was, it was not uh, realistic for him to be effective at his job and get through the season without having the surgery. Told me he also coached in Venezuela one time uh, with a torn Achilles. So he's coached injured before, but had to have surgery yesterday morning. He will not be inside. The strongest offer assembly center on Saturday afternoon. And he, it, it might've been last season or the season before, but I did something about our, on Arkansas. And so I talked to him and he had another issue. Like he had like something with his hip, same deal, man. Practicing with the team was like kind of grinding through a season, even though he was injured. Dude's 56, 57 years old. More credit to him, man. I'm going to take. See, that's the problem with staying in incredible shape as you get older. You trick you take, yourself. You trick yourself. See, look at me. I'm not tricking myself. I know, I know who I am, what I am. Not going to see me doing closeout drills. But guess what I can do? Move my arms however I want to. Look at that. Look at that. Oh, yeah. You know uh, what? You know why I can do that? Because I don't try to get in closeout drills. Yeah, I feel like you're still going pretty aggressive at the batting cage, though. Never know. You saw me one time step in there, come out of retirement. Pinging them. I was. Vegas, left and right, pinging them. Good stuff. Uh, there's no way I can take Arkansas to, to be within this number. LSU has the number one rated defense in America. It has only lost once at, oh, by the way, Auburn. I got Auburn number one, LSU number two power rankings because these have been the two hottest teams and most impressive teams across the past few weeks in college basketball, not to mention the overall season long record. So yeah, I'm going to take LSU to win and to win big Arkansas won't have its coach. It's been, it got a just ridiculous win against Missouri at home, 87 to 43 on Wednesday night. Missouri was just vaporized, but. And then there was a fake Conzo Martin got fired tweet. Do you see that one? It was sent to me. It was sent to me uh, when I was like making lunch for my kiddo in the kitchen on Thursday. And when you get so I didn't know the person that had sent it. And I was like, I haven't 
her to think about this, but okay. And then uh, I texted someone else. I was like, hey, what is this? And they go, that's fake. That's fake AF as an as. Mm. And uh, so, know. yeah, I don't know. Why, why are people doing this? Like, why, why is this a thing? You know, sending fake tweets. Out, like, who does this stuff? Like, well, what's people, the people who are bored. What's the point here? Well, go look up some the tip point, The point, the actual point well, is to trick people. tip times if you want to waste your time. The, the point is to trick uh, otherwise reputable people, which which it did. Like the it way did, it, guys, I won't, the way I won't, it got tweeted, I won't say either, but the way it got tweeted into my timeline is because somebody I follow retweeted it. That's how it got sent to me is because someone of prominence uh, tweeted it into their timeline, and that prompted this person to let me know and texted me the tweet. So right. anyway. Um, it's a fact, if that's your goal to trick people, <laughs> you did good job. Good it's job. true. Uh, I'm going to take LSU to win and to win big here. I'm going to take the Razorbacks plus the points. LSU is awesome, by the way. Like, number one in adjusted defensive efficiency. Uh, Tar Easton's great. LSU is really good. I mean, they, they have one loss, and it's to the team I have ranked number one in the top 25 on one. So I think LSU wins the game. I'll take Arkansas plus the points. They rally around their fallen coach. To stay within the number, not to win. <laughs> they, they just rally to cover the big number. All right. Before we get to the fifth game, a quick tour here. We actually, for those watching live on YouTube, hello. If you have not already, please uh, click the thumbs up, the like button, and uh, help us. You continue to help the channel grow. We appreciate you. And thank you for joining us on a Friday morning. So tonight, we have a couple of good mid-major matchups. A-10, Davidson at Richmond. Davidson, 12 straight. Good one at Richmond. That's a good one. And then VCU at Bonnie's. 7.30 tip there. Uh, Bonnie's kind of don't kind of. They need to win that game. If, if St. Bonaventure doesn't win against VCU, uh, its case to be an at-large team is going to um, be disintegrating uh, all the more. VCU's actually been the better team to this point in the season there. And then the big one on Friday is Michigan against Illinois. It's a game years in the making, 9 o'clock on Fox Sports 1. These teams uh, did not meet up as scheduled a season ago. Illinois fans have been salivating for this opportunity here. Michigan's in a very desperate spot. Illinois has won 12 straight games against Big Ten opponents and is 19-1 and in its last 20 Big Ten matchups there. Trent Frazier has been averaging 17 points a game over his last seven games. And, uh, oh, by the way, Illinois is the best offensive rebounding team in the country per percentage at 41.3. Alfonso Plummer best free throw shooter Illinois just you mentioned like who who would I pick I'm gonna take Illinois since the start of the 2020 season 1920 Illinois has the most wins in Big Ten play by far they have 34 next closest Michigan State and Wisconsin with 28 Ohio State with 27 Iowa 26 Michigan's not even in that top five relatively surprising Illinois has been the best Big Ten program over the past three seasons so that is a big one to watch nine o'clock on Friday night. And then other ones to kind of scan and keep an eye on for Saturday, as we've got an NFL wildcard weekend uh, ahead of us as well. I'd say just watch out for Seton Hall at Marquette. Seton Hall got dropped by DePaul on Thursday, which hadn't won a big East game. Uh, the Pirates is tournament resume. They'll still be projected to be in, but if they were to lose another road game, uh, that would certainly be damaging. Alabama at Mississippi state feels like it could be sneaky close. That's a six o'clock tip. On Saturday there, um, Florida's NCAA tournament resume 
can't afford to lose at South Carolina. That's a one o'clock tip on the SEC network. Gators were not able to close the deal or come back all the way against LSU. And I know Mike White is starting to feel some heat there. Wake Forest at Virginia, 4.30 tip on Saturday. That's a pretty good one there. Virginia has started to maybe kind of put it together here. Maybe. Lost, I understand, last weekend at, at North Carolina, but won three of its past four with two of those wins on the road and then beat Virginia Tech narrowly at home on Wednesday. We'll see what can happen there. Wake Forest, GP and I, are, I think, are in agreement that Wake Forest is probably setting itself up to be in the tournament conversation down the way. Getting a win on the road, though, would, would do wonders because Wake was unable to beat Duke at home uh, earlier this season. And then Creighton at Xavier is a noon tip on Fox on Saturday. That's a wonderful game. Xavier was swept by Villanova this season. It was not able to beat Nova earlier in the week. And Creighton lost its game, as in didn't play its game against Providence because Providence is on COVID pause. That means the PC-UConn game that was scheduled for this weekend is not happening because PC is not off of COVID pause yet. So Creighton will get a chance to play for the first time in 10 days in a roadie against Xavier. That's a really, really nice way to start the Saturday off. A quality Big East game between two teams that I think are eventually going to the NCAA tournament. And then Oregon will play at USC. That's your late tip. So kind of bookend the day there. Creighton-Xavier to start it. End of the night, Oregon at Southern Cal, 11 o'clock, Fox Sports 1. Forgan can win that game, then yeah, we can start talking about the Ducks being a viable at-large candidate. My game to pick Sunday, by the way, is is pretty slow. Um, in fact, I think we might be able. If you're up for it, I mean, we got NFL wildcard stuff happening. If you're up for it, GP, I'm good to do the podcast by like four four thirty on Sunday. What do you say? Or you want to you do you want to stick to usual time in the seven p.m. hour? I'm good either way. I want to check my tea time situation. Okay, there we go. All right, here we go. Final game. By the way, Iowa at Minnesota on Sunday is probably the one game worth watching, but most of the stuff is Saturday, NFL for Sunday. We got a mid-major special here. Murray State at Belmont, 5 o'clock on Saturday. These are OVC rivals, soon to be Missouri Valley rivals, as CBS Sports first reported a little over a week ago. Murray State is now officially joining Belmont and going to the Valley next season. For now, this is an OVC matchup and a classic one. Both these teams have will have a chance, Parrish, to have at-large cases. You realize Belmont is 28th in the net right now? I realize everything. Murray State, 45th in the net. So they actually rank pretty well across the board. Not across the board in every metric, but they're doing well. Ken Palm has this classic game line. Belmont minus six at home against Matt McMahon's Racers, the alma mater. This is, this is at Belmont, so... Uh, uh, you know, it. Uh, I didn't think about a building name here. Who's our Who's our guy? Who's our guy? Dylan Windler. Dylan Windler Court. Dylan Windler's uncle. Court. Dylan Windler listened to this podcast, and because of that, Dylan Windler wound up at Belmont. It was Dylan it, Windler's uncle? Murray State. Right? Murray State is a uh, is a six point dog. Shouts to Dylan Windler's uncle. We did play a role. We played a role in Dylan Windler getting the Belmont. We did, but I don't think you got time for that right now. We did play a role, though. We did. I have all the respect in the world for Belmont. But this is John Morant's alma mater. What are we doing? You think John Morant's alma mater is going to lose while John Morant never loses ever? 11-game winning streak for your Grizzlies, dead leg. Not my Grizzlies, and I do think that's what's going to happen. I got Belmont winning and winning big. Except the Grizzlies. It's the most fun team in the, in the NBA. They're young and energetic. They like each other. They ain't playing in this game. 
What if the Grizzlies were playing at Belmont this weekend? How wild would that be? By 47. Oh, boy. 67. It would be something like that. (laughs) I mean, hell, they beat the Lakers by 50 almost. I'll take John Morant's alma mater. I can't pick against anything connected to John Morant right now. He's a legitimate MVP candidate at the age of 22. That's true. I discovered John Morant, by the way. What? You didn't tell that story. I didn't discover him, but I was the first one. Who cares? No one cares. <laughs> when he was actually like, he was awesome as a freshman and no one knew about him. Like, I was the first one to kind of give him pub. That's all. And he okay. was not he was not known as Ja at that point. Like his his stats page was Demetrius Morant. It was not Ja Morant. So he got rid of Demetrius. Now he's just Ja. That's right. Well, I'll pass that along. I'm not sure if Ja knows that you discovered him, but I'll pass it along. You he'll don't send, you, you don't need to do that. I'm sure he'll send his appreciation. Are we done? We're done. Get out of here then. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Steve Athoro, legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening. I own college basketball podcast, middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. Most recent PCR test, dead leg, negative. Negative. I'm evasive. I remain evasive for the time being. We'll see if I can keep it up. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can leave five stars at both places. Nice review would be nice. We'd appreciate it. Remember, there's more of us than there are of them. That needs to be reflected in the Apple Podcast reviews. People can get offended. They want to. Truth is, there's more of us than there are of them. Don't back down. Smash the like button. Do it with a nice rhythm. Brandon Davies would. We're going to talk to you again on Sunday at some point. We'll let you know when. Till then, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.